And welcome to the Earth Church Extinction Talk Radio. And I'm your host, Reverend Billy. In the church today, the Duchess, Teddy Tam Tam, and our guests, Brendan, Lou, and Denise. And uh, you yourself, come on in. We have some empty seats here in the storefront church. Today, we want to listen to some former shows, at least have little segments that can be like portals that we look through. Today, we're, I'm going to start off with this, this uh, kind of morning radio breakfast zoo show that we attempted. And you can hear us struggling with our faith, trying to get at the idea of extinction. Why are Americans rejecting any discussion of it? Why this great silence, this national neuroses uh, that amounts to self-censorship? The subject of extinction is mass death, although I think it's more complex than that. Uh, that's what most people think it is. And, but we don't have any mass communication to deal with it. We don't, we're not meeting it with... I mean, there isn't an Oprah show or a Steve Colbert show for... Or this is life and death. I mean, why not 15 Oprah shows about extinction? And there isn't even really a tremor. There isn't a uh, crier in the wilderness who's saying, the extinction's coming. Greta Thunberg's coming. Christ is coming. You know what I mean? The Kind of the John the Baptist figure. Why isn't there even a, a <laughs> press release? Well, let's listen in on this particular approach on this particular day. Here we go. Talk to you about it afterwards. What is that thing that is hovering over us all day long in this benighted country? Drones. Smog. That's a good answer. Drones, smog, excellent. Fear. Fear comes from John the Baptist in his jockstrap. Be afraid. Existential dread. He's about to come. I don't even Duchess, know what that what, means. What, what? Ex- existential dread. What does that even mean? It, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's what keeps you up. It, what keeps me up at night, at least. It's the thing that religion pushes away. It's the thing that advertising replaces or seeks to. It's the thing that Silicon Valley is based on getting us to avoid. It's the thing that blockbuster films and video games, the twin towers of the entertainment dollar, are. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of special effects engineers, those columns of names that go up the screen at the end of the movie. That's all trying to keep us from this thing that is worrying us to death. Did I give you a good, did I give, people out on Radio Land, I mean, did, did I give you a, a hint? I don't know. Do I, do I, I have it? I can't figure it out. Do I have it? Like, do, how do I get it? Like, the second coming of Doug Henning? Yeah. You want to purchase it. That's, that's what you, I mean, how do I, I get it? You want to yeah. buy it? I want a John the Baptist in the woods telling everyone that he's coming uh, m- a commemorative t-shirt. That's what I want. <laughs> that's a great idea. You want the swag. I want the, I want the, I want the AR app that I can take my phone and then see John the Baptist across the street. You're kidding. You're making fun of me. I want a t-shirt of Charlton Heston as John the Baptist, which was in that movie. If you ben saw Hurt? that. I think that that was, that was auctioned at Sotheby's for $7 million. Such a strange recently. thing to see. You can't have that. Amen. Listen, it's, it's simply this. We all know that we are months, perhaps years, away from something called the sixth extinction. We all feel it. 
in a sense, we know it in our DNA, in our, in our, you know, the, the brain stem down at the center of our, of our personalities, of our souls. But we can't say it out loud, really. I am right now. And I'm here with friends who are, you know, you're being nice enough to let me say it out loud. And I want you to say it out loud back, back to me. The sixth extinction. Will everybody say that right now? The sixth the extinction. Six. Oh, yeah. Okay. One more time. The, the sixth, sixth extinction. extinction. One more time. I'm, I'm directing you like Leonard Bernstein. One more time. One, the two, the three. The sixth extinction. That was Stravinsky. Wasn't that the rite of spring? I've heard that before. dress up like extinct animals and sing in a bank and get arrested and go to jail and try to sleep. And then we come home and sleep and get up and dress like extinct animals and get on the subway to another bank where we meet the Stop Shopping singers and go into the lobby and sing, hand out investment information, and then get handcuffed and go to jail or maybe just the precinct house for a few hours, but maybe the tombs, city jail, up to three days and nights and face the judge again and make some promise or other and go home and get ready to go banking. We shower and then study bank investments and then call other shopping stoppers. And can you believe UBS is bankrolling that Aussie coal? And then we read more extinction reports and then we dress up like another kind of threatened life and we go sing in bank lobbies and parking lots and drive through teller windows and bank-sponsored art events and preach inside a circle of faces who are loathing us and giggling, stunned with flawed. We hand out information on earth crimes that happen from their money and we get arrested and handcuffed and go to jail. Or maybe just a warning, in which case we do more research after returning home and love our loved ones and eat and drink and read and wash and do laundry and put off the bills and we're exhausted so we fall asleep and dream of rainforests, prairies, coral reefs. And we wake up and then we dress up and dress up like extinct animals and get on the subway and meet the other singers who are wearing the giant heads of the long gone golden toad, or maybe they're covered with threatened honeybees, <laughs> we're off to the bank, broke, but laughing, all the way to the bank, to sing.
As you know, Dakota Access will start at Williston and go all the way down to Illinois. And then the Midland Pipeline will connect to Williston to the Dakota Access Pipeline from the tar sands. And as you know, the whole idea is to push tar sands through, flush the pipes with water, and then push the sweet crude through, then flush the pipes with water. I keep on saying, where are they getting this water? Second, once the water it's flush too. The water is no good for anything or anybody. The water is then poisoned. I don't think people understand. Do you have anybody in your family who's dying of cancer? That's the first thing I ask people. Why? Because the water is poisoned. So when, when you look at the whole scheme of everything, you have these great roots that come out of a tree and then you have this giant tree and then you have these big branches that come out of the tree. That is the river. So right now the roots are dying in the Gulf of Mexico. The mother tree, the Mississippi, is dying. And so we have this branch that comes out of the Mississippi called the Missouri. It is sick, but if we can save it, it can bring life to the whole tree and reconstitute the roots and make life again. I don't understand why people don't understand that. As Native people, we go four days without food and water to remind ourselves how important water is. Because remember, our bodies are mostly water. Without water, we die. So why would anybody want their children to die? I cannot understand that whole compensation. So this pipeline will go underneath the Missouri River. When it breaks, because it will break, it'll pollute all the way down the Missouri into the Mississippi, all the way to the Gulf. Who has a right to kill that many people? Oh wait, who has a right to kill that much wildlife, animals, plants, medicines? I just don't even think that people understand the whole concept of it all. So it's very thoughtful. And, uh, is any last thing you want to say? We got to stand for water. We got to continue to stand for water. Wherever you are, stand up for your water. And that was the voice of LaDonna Bull Ellard, leader of the international movement against pipelines and extractive industry, founder of Sacred Stone Camp. Thank you, LaDonna, for your leadership and all that you taught us. Rest in power. And this is news from the natural world. I'm Savitri D. In Brazil's Roraima state, indigenous leaders estimate an invasion of up to 5,000 illegal miners is underway in the Raposa Serra do Sol indigenous reserve. Analysts say President Jair Bolsonaro's rhetoric has emboldened the miners. And in Louisiana, even as President Joe Biden and Governor John Bell Edwards take on climate change, a Midwestern energy company and Plaque Mines Parish officials are reviving efforts to build an oil pipeline and Mississippi River export terminal that would emit more than 500,000 tons of greenhouse gases per year. Developers say they would invest $2.5 billion and create 35 permanent jobs. But the Plaque Mines Liquids Terminal, in addition to its air pollution, would be built atop a 19th century cemetery for enslaved people. 
and might interfere with Louisiana's $2 billion proposal to restore storm-buffering wetlands in Barataria Bay. The 200-acre terminal would accept oil from a new 700-mile pipeline originating in Oklahoma and store as much as 20 million barrels. From there, the oil would be transferred to ocean-going ships and barges for export. Indoor dust contains dangerous endocrine-disrupting chemicals. A new study of 46 dust samples from 21 buildings at a U.S. university found that all 46 samples contained hormonally active compounds that can lead to health effects, including infertility, diabetes, obesity, abnormal fetal growth, and cancers. The study helps explain how industrial chemicals known as PFAs and flame retardants, which are found in the blood or urine of over 90% of Americans and are already known to cause widespread health and reproductive effects. PFAs, which first came to light as ingredients in Teflon, are also used to coat carpets, furniture, and clothing. Despite a lack of evidence that they prevent fires, flame retardants are added to furniture, carpet, electronics, and building insulation. While we don't eat these products, this study makes it clear that we breathe in tiny bits of them that have entered the air as dust. The health effects of PFAs are well known and include impaired fetal development, obesity, decreased vaccine response, preeclampsia, testicular cancer, immune dysfunction, kidney cancer, and elevated cholesterol levels. Researchers have found the bowhead whale species that typically migrates away from solid sea ice each autumn and returns every summer to feast on tiny crustaceans did not make the 3,700-mile round trip in 2018-2019. Bowhead whales are one of the few species that reside almost exclusively in Arctic and subarctic waters, thriving within a narrow temperature preference window. There are now four different groups of these whales. One of the biggest groups migrate annually from the northern Bering Sea through the Chukchi Sea in the spring to the Beaufort Sea, where they spend much of the summer before returning again to the Bering Sea in the autumn to weather out the winter. Using data extracted from underwater tape recorders, researchers in Canada concluded that this whale population did not make their annual journey in 2018-2019. They said it was unclear whether this change was an aberration or the beginning of a new way of life. As water temperatures rise, the proliferation of predators such as killer whales could have influenced the bowheads to stay put over winter. One other potential factor is that given bowhead blubber can be up to half a meter thick, extra warmth could put the whales at risk of overheating. It could also be there was an abundance of food, such as plankton, driven by higher temperatures, and so the whales may have elected to save their energy and bulk up by foregoing the travel. New numbers are available regarding the ecological crisis caused by growing use of PPE. Globally, 65 billion gloves are used every month. 129 billion face masks are being used every month. That translates into 3 million face masks used per minute. A separate study reports that 3.4 billion face masks or face shields are discarded every day. Asia is projected to throw away 1.8 billion face masks daily, the highest quantity of any continent globally. China, with the world's largest population, 1.4 billion, discards nearly 702 million face masks every day. All may be called disposable because they're cheap enough to be used once and then thrown away. But face masks, gloves, and wipes are made from multiple plastic fibers, primarily polypropylene, that will remain in the environment for decades, possibly centuries, fragmenting into smaller and smaller microplastics and nanoplastics. 
A single face mask can release as many as 173,000 microfibers per day into the sea. Just 3% of the world's land remains ecologically intact, with healthy populations of all its original animals and undisturbed habitat. These fragments of wilderness undamaged by human activities are mainly found in parts of the Amazon and Congo tropical forests, East Siberian and Northern Canadian forests and tundra, and the Sahara. Invasive alien species, including cats, foxes, rabbits, goats, and camels, have had a major impact on native species in Australia, with the study finding no intact areas left. Researchers suggest reintroducing a small number of important species to some damaged areas, such as elephants or wolves, is a move that could restore up to 20% of the world's land to ecological intactness. Scientists have spotted the largest solar flare ever recorded from the sun's nearest neighbor, the star Proxima Centauri. Proxima Centauri is a small but mighty star. It sits just four light years or more than 20 trillion miles from our own sun and hosts at least two planets, one of which may look something like Earth. It is also a red dwarf, the name for a class of stars that are unusually petite and dim. The observed flare was roughly 100 times more powerful than any similar flare ever seen from Earth's sun. Over time, such energy can strip away a planet's atmosphere and even expose life forms to deadly radiation. Substantial cuts in global greenhouse gas emissions could be achieved by raising water levels in agricultural peatlands. Peatlands occupy just 3% of the world's land surface area but store a similar amount of carbon to all terrestrial vegetation, as well as supporting unique biodiversity. In their natural state, they can mitigate climate change by continuously removing CO2 from the atmosphere and storing it securely under waterlogged conditions for thousands and thousands of years. Volcanic eruptions deep in our oceans are capable of extremely powerful releases of energy at a rate high enough to power the whole of the United States, according to new research, data gathered by remotely operated vehicles deep in the Northeast Pacific and analyzed by scientists, has revealed a link between the way ash is dispersed during submarine eruptions and the creation of large and powerful columns of heated water rising from the ocean floor known as megaplumes, which contain hot, chemical-rich water. The size of these megaplumes is immense, with the volumes of water equivalent to 40 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. Research concludes that submarine volcanic eruptions lead to the rapid emptying of reservoirs of hot fluids within the Earth's crust. Perseverance, NASA's newest six-wheeled robot on the Martian surface, has converted some of the red planet's thin, carbon dioxide-rich atmosphere into oxygen. A toaster-sized experimental instrument aboard Perseverance called the Mars Oxygen In-Situ Resource Utilization Experiment, or MOXIE, accomplished the task. The test took place April 20th, the 60th Martian day, or Sol, since the mission landed February 18th. While the technology demonstration is just getting started, it could pave the way for science fiction to become science fact. Isolating and storing oxygen on Mars to help power rockets that could lift astronauts off the planet's surface. Such devices also might one day provide breathable air for astronauts themselves. After building a web, spiders sit patiently, waiting for the movements of their prey to vibrate the silk strands beneath them like guitar strings. 
Seizing upon this knowledge, researchers from MIT have introduced Spider's Canvas, an algorithm that turns spiderweb vibrations into a digital stringed instrument. The spider lives in an environment of vibrating strings. They don't see very well, so their sense of the world comes through vibrations, which have different frequencies. The shape of each spider's web is unique to the species. While some species create those iconic spoked circles, other species weave webs in three dimensions in a variety of shapes. For this project, researchers used the tropical tent web spider to create a 3D digital web. They used algorithm, analyzed the frequencies of individual strings within the web, and ultimately translated that to audible music. And hear the sounds of the tropical tent web spider. And this is what scientists believe the tropical tent web spider hears or feels from its own web. And this is Reverend Billy again. It isn't often that you really know, for sure, that you're leaving something old and going into something new. Well, we're having that experience at the Church of Stop Shopping. And it's a good thing. It's a success change. No longer, as of right about now, the city council is voting in New York to ban the pesticide Roundup, the creation of Monsanto and Bayer corporations, with its um, awful toxin, glyphosate, no longer will that spraying take place here in these parks. This springtime, that thousands of children will go out into those parks, play in those ball fields and hike and picnic, and they won't be sprayed with this stuff. Isn't that great? Our campaign is seven years. And some of you followed us in our unasked-for concerts inside Monsanto laboratories and uh, in the uh, offices of the Parks Department of New York. All kinds of actions, uh, not just in the United States, but also in Europe. We uh, are just delighted. And today we had a success rally. Uh, Savitri and I spoke, and here are some excerpts from our preachings. We are standing in a playground where they've been spraying poison, where they've been spraying glyphosate over and over again, and we're saying no more. The kids will be safe. So I have to say the work we're doing is on the side of the angels, and I know that because today we have Reverend Billy Talent and Sandy Tree from the church. You know, in our city, when we do have a successful campaign, and this is one, amen, we have two kinds of people that are always involved in a successful campaign here. Over here we have protesters, and over here we have people 
who kind of hear the protesters and become protesters and change the laws. And that doesn't always happen, does it? No. But it has happened this time. That's right. There's a way to pray to the earth. There's a way to say, I am hearing your superstorms. I am hearing the screams of death. I am listening to the pandemic. I get it. There are three superstorms in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time. Whole continents are on fire. The earth is in an uprising. The earth is the ultimate protester at this time. And we're going to hear it in the halls of power. Seven years ago, my collaborator, Reverend Billy, and I began an extensive effort to map use of glyphosate in public parks and lands in New York City. We had a simple idea, mine public records for data and create a public map of glyphosate use. Our goal was to make an invisible poison visible, make it impossible for electeds and administrators to continue to use glyphosate, ban the use of glyphosate in New York City, and set an example for other cities and parks departments around the country. While we were waiting for New York City to release its information, we started mapping almost anywhere we could get data. California school system, Dallas, Texas, the outskirts of St. Louis. You know what that is? That's Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Portland, Oregon. We aren't scientists. We are artists. We are humans who care intensely for the earth and all its inhabitants. But we saw immediately that chemical control was heavy-handed in communities of color in New York City and elsewhere. No surprise there. Invisible poisons are a perfect tool of white supremacy and colonization. Yes. Ask the Vietnamese, ask the last indigenous tribes of the Amazon, ask the residents of Cancer Alley in Louisiana, in Detroit, in the Bronx. And as we mapped this glyphosate data in New York City and elsewhere, we realized how ubiquitous this chemical is. It is sprayed by parks departments, utility companies, school systems, transportation departments, private landowners, state and federal governments, and above all, commercial ag. Look around you, look around. Imagine the United States. Imagine the amount of pavement and concrete that exists. And understand that a greater surface area than that pavement is coated every year in glyphosate. Every year, glyphosate and the many unregulated chemicals called surfactants that carry it into the soil and into our water table. Glyphosate remains land use tool number one, the cheapest way to kill a weed. If you can't pave it, spray it, okay? One of my first summer jobs, I was about 12 years old, I walked up and down our dirt road with a can of Roundup on my back, a spray wand, and a machete and I hacked away at kudzu. I did that two days a week for two summers. And I'm telling you right now, I'm glad I had a baby. I'm glad she was healthy and that my body did that. Because I want to ask you, how many prepubescent girls and boys are doing work like that today around the world? How many girls and children are being exposed in the fields where our food is grown? How many toddlers are waiting at bus stops, crawling over logs that have been sprayed, how much of these chemicals will we tolerate in our food, our beer, our breast milk? Okay, the earth is in crisis. 
a climate crisis on one side and a chemical crisis on another. It is time to stop chemicalizing the planet, to stop spraying it with insecticides, pesticides, herbicides. It's time to stop saturating it with petroleum byproducts and microplastics. It is time to take stewardship seriously. Time to consider our health and the health of all the living creatures when we ask questions like, what is the cheapest way to kill a weed? Wow. Or how about, what is a weed? On this Earth Day, today, 2021, in this extraordinary moment when the status quo is completely disrupted, yes. let this work be a beginning, an alarm, a salvo. Let us find a way to engage again, no matter how tired we are. And some of us are tired. Yes. 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 Some of us have been working on this for a long time. We're tired. We are not done. This is the beginning. Learn with me, with this community, this amazing community of people who I just honor and cherish. Thank you so much for all your work. Let's figure out how to exist on the earth without killing the earth. Thank Amen. you. Oh, that's